0: The scripture reading is from John chapter 6, verses 4 through 14. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. And when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Bless this reading to our understanding. Amen. Frequently, When Jesus performed a miracle that we see in the New Testament, often it is done in partnership with others. You know, oftentimes people, they would approach Jesus looking for healing, and more often than not, he didn't just snap his fingers and say, you're healed. Rather, usually he requires some kind of action on their part before the miracle takes place. I think of the ten lepers who approached Jesus. And they were begging that he make them whole again. And Jesus didn't just simply, you know, instantaneously take their leprosy away, this horrible skin disease that they were cast down with. Instead, he gives them this hardline command, go and show yourselves to the priests in the city. So these ten lepers who are not welcome in the city did as Jesus said, and as they were on their way, they were healed. I think of the time when Jesus healed a blind man, a man who was blind from birth, as described in the Gospel of John. Again, you know, Jesus, he doesn't simply instantaneously heal this man blind from birth so that he can see again. Instead, we see that he rubs mud into the man's eyes. And he says to him, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes out. Now the thing is, in this story, this pool of Siloam is a long distance from where Jesus was having this encounter with this man. And he did as he was told. Walking, this blind man finding the pool of Siloam, he gropes his way in the darkness that was still known to him. He finds the pool of Siloam, he washes his eyes, and he is able to see again. And again, Jesus requires action from that person before he restores his sight. Another miracle I think about, was when Jesus changed the water into wine, as described in the Gospel of John. This was the first miracle that Jesus performed in that Gospel. When the wine gave out at a wedding celebration, his mother approaches him and says, you know, there is no wine. And so Jesus, uh, rather than, again, not instantaneously creating wine, he instead points to six stone jars which were standing there, each one of them capable of holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. And he tells them, fill these jars with water. Now that's a lot of water. And they had to haul these jars to wherever the water source was or they uh, had to go with containers and go to that water source because there was none in the house where they were having the celebration and they had to haul it back and fill up these jars. And it was then that Jesus told the steward to taste what was in those large jars and it had turned to wine. This all happened because of cooperation and teamwork, along with the powers of Jesus. So in a lot of ways, it shouldn't surprise us that when Jesus performs his greatest public miracle of all, the feeding of the 5,000, where he provides, through his divine power, enough food to feed 5,000 people, he doesn't do it in a vacuum. He does it using key players who help make that happen. You know, this is the miracle of the 5,000 appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one has, you know, his own perspective on what happened during this significant event. So the story we have is provided by John. There were large crowds who were following Jesus, as often was the case in his ministry, and we're told that Jesus went up onto a, a mountain, a high place, and he looked down and he sees this sea of people before him. He sees also the time of day it is. These people are hot, and they're tired, and they're hungry. And so he asks one of his disciples, he asks Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? The Bible tells us he was saying this in order to test Philip because he knew what he was about to do. And Philip's response is the response of the hardcore realist. Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of these people here to get even a little He's saying that whatever abundance you know, of money we might have, that still would only provide the scarcest amount of food for each person gathered here in this place. Now, we have to appreciate his honesty about what they were up against. And we need the likes of Phillips to do God's work. You know, he's the kind of person who looks at a, a tough situation and says, well, these are the facts. Philip is the kind of guy a military commander sends out to do a recon of the battlefield after the battlefield a battle has taken place to assess the damages and the casualties you send him because you know that he won't sugarcoat the situation. He will give you the hard facts. And we need the likes of Philip in doing God's work. You know, if God is going to work his spirit through the community of faith, there needs to be those who who are, are first willing to see the challenges that we are up against. You know, this is a Matthew 25 congregation. We are committed to doing our part to fight racism and systemic poverty, and, and we look at the grinding poverty that you know we see in areas of our own city of Cleveland and, and the destitution across the globe, it can be quite sobering and overwhelming. But we have to confront what is, the facts, so that we can form a way ahead in the kind of ministry God is calling us to provide. Well, this brings us to the second contributor to the story. That's the disciple Andrew. And upon hearing the same question that Philip heard from Jesus, where where were we to buy bread for these people to get enough to eat, Andrew's response is this. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Now, unlike Philip, who saw only the stark reality of what the situation was, Andrew is lo- willing to look at the, at the possibilities. Well, here's what we have available to us. And rather than saying it's impossible, you know, Andrew seems to be saying, well, let's look at what may be possible. Let's see what we have to work with. And I appreciate that quality. Rather than just saying, no, he searched out what was there. And he said, maybe. Maybe there's something that we can do, even though he admits that, you know, what is that in comparison, you know, to the amount of people who are there. But we need the likes of Andrew in doing God's work as well. I mean, what you have here, you have Philip, the hardcore realist, and Andrew, the one who, Uh, willing to see the possibilities based on what is there. And whatever was going through the minds of these disciples, as they were staring down this, this deprivation before them, Jesus tells them, have those people sit down. Now, I don't know what it would be like to have to coordinate 5,000 people and have them sit down in an orderly fashion, but you can sure that it, you can be sure that it was a time consuming effort and however conflicted they may have been however mystified as far as you know Jesus what are you going to do they're saying to themselves they did it you know just like that that uh, you know the man who washed his eyes in the pool of siloam even though he didn't know what the outcome was going to be or when Jesus told the guests at the wedding gathering there to fill those stones full of water they filled them they obeyed and so did these disciples and there are times when the only faithful response that we can make is to do what we are told and not to overthink it. Now, I had a coach and when I was on the high school wrestling team and he pushed us hard in practice and he would, um you know, at certain times in the practice, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to do two sets of push-ups and everybody would be grunting and groaning. And he said, don't think about it, just do it. Sometimes. That's the appropriate response to the commands of Jesus. I give them credit that they obeyed. They did their part. Well, now comes the most key player of all. Actually, Jesus, of course, is the main key player in the story. And he's only briefly mentioned. You don't hear a word out of his mouth. And that's the boy with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. Andrew, the disciple, speaks about him, but we don't hear anything from him. Look, there is a boy over here. He has five barley loaves of bread and two fish is all we hear. But his actions, this boy, speaks volumes about him. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, here's this boy. He, he's, he's on his way back from the market, uh, back to his home, because this was food that was needed to feed his family. And we can be certain that this person came from a poor family because the bread was made of barley, and that was the cheapest bread on the market. Five loaves and two fish may not seem like much, but it could very well have been the provision of food for his family for at least a few days. And while he's on his way back from the marketplace holding this this, uh, this bread and, and, and these fish in his basket of whatever he was holding them in, he comes across this huge crowd swelling around the person of Jesus. Jesus goes up to this high place and he sees all the people who are there. So he gets caught up wanting to know what it is that's happening. They're angry. They're hungry. They want something to be done. And then a disciple approaches this boy and he says, could you give us these five loaves of bread and these two fish? that you just bought at the market? And the voice says, yes. And think of the sacrifice that he was making. What little he had in his possession. He gave it. He gave it to these disciples. We don't even know how much he would have known who they were. And surely he could have said no. No, my parents said I was to go to the market, get these, you know, this food that we really need and to bring it back home. He could have had an attitude like, hey, look, I came prepared. These people didn't. Can you imagine? If he had given these loaves of fishes, or loaves of bread and then the two fish, gave them to the disciples and nothing happened. And so he comes home empty handed. Where's the bread? Where's the fish? Oh, I gave them to these guys. They called themselves disciples, and then I never saw it again. That took a lot of faith, this boy. Unlike the disciples, you don't hear him say, what you know difference is this going to make among so many people? When he handed over the food that was in his possession, he didn't know what the outcome was going to be. He had to trust that Jesus was going to do something great with it. Whatever was going on in the head of this young man, the result is that he gave what he had to Jesus. And to me, he's the real hero in that story. Jesus took this meager portion of food. The gospel tells us Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them among those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And then they gathered up what was left over. They gathered them up, the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. They filled twelve baskets. All of this happened because a boy was willing to share what little he had. When asked to hand it over, he said yes. And just one more thing to consider. You know, those hungry people who received the the bread and the fish, I mean, they actually play a part in the story as well, because as they received the bread and the fish, they shared it with each other. The Bible doesn't tell us, okay, there's all this abundance of food, and they start tucking it away in their pockets, or whatever they had to carry things in. What was shared with them caused them to share with others. Somebody generously gave to me, so I should give generously to others. And I think acts of generosity have a way of influencing people in that way. And so I, be- I believe our Lord still, He still performs miracles. Maybe not in the dramatic way that as we saw in the feeding of the 5,000, but He does honor sacrificial giving. God does a lot with a little, when the little is all we have to give. And that multiplying spirit is still at work in us today. Look, there is a boy over there, five loaves of bread, two fish. Doesn't seem like much. But with faith and a willingness to share, Jesus did great things with it. Amen and amen. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, to him be the power and the glory now and forever. Amen and amen.